0: been a very busy man over at espn.com where he's an mlb writer he wrote about i'm pretty sure every single trade that went down over the last 72 hours or so and bradford doolittle joins us now via the brown and croup and celebrity line bradford we appreciate the time man have you been able to recover from what was a flurry of deals over the 24 hours or so prior to the deadline
1: barely yeah that was uh that was a, one of the most frantic deadline periods that I've ever been a part of. And it's because it wasn't just the, the deadline day that was crazy. The three days in a row mm-hmm. were like that. And, you know, it was a pleasant surprise. It's a lot of work. But, you know, you put a lot of effort into preparing for a trade deadline. And a lot of times it turns out to be a lot more smoke than fire. And this year there was plenty of fire.
0: I think that's what surprised me a bit is a lot of the times you'll hear things like, hey, Trey Turner might be available in trade packages. And you're like, OK, yeah, we'll see. I, I'll buy that maybe in the off season, but probably not at the deadline. And this year, it actually happened like the Nationals went through on everything that we expected that they could. The Cubs actually went through with selling off not just some of their pieces, but basically all of their pieces. And it made for a hugely entertaining uh, deadline. Bradford, who do you think? I know this is kind of the radio hack question to ask, but it is interesting to me. Who do you think, quote unquote, won the deadline in your mind?
1: Well, I, I you know, I actually did a winners and losers piece immediately in the aftermath. And I, I think it's hard to look at anybody other than the Dodgers. And when you when you add uh, uh, an eighth starter, to caliber and Max Scherzer, to that roster. And, you know, it, Scherzer is just so good that it's almost easy to overlook <laughs> Trey Turner, who's one of the best players in baseball, easily one of the top 20 players in Major League Baseball. You know, it's it's really an embarrassment of riches, and the thing with that particular uh, acquisition is not only did the Dodgers bolster their roster, and it's hard to bolster a Dodgers roster as it is, but that keeps those guys away from their competitors in a, in a really uh, high-powered NL West race. So. You know, I think the Dodgers probably won the deadline.
0: What do you think that deal means for Corey Seager? Because I was talking with this uh, about this with a buddy last night, and we were wondering, do, do you re-sign him and put him at third base moving forward? Uh, do you consider using him as a, um, a a DH every once in a while? What do you do with Corey Seager now as he's a free agent this upcoming offseason?
1: Well, I think he hits the open market, and, you know, the Dodgers will be competitive with him, but, you know, he's had a lot of injury problems. He's had uh, a lot of problems with his elbow, you know, that for a while, it made you wonder if he was even going to be able to stay at shortstop. I mean, he's a great player when he's healthy, but Trey Turner is, is more durable. And, um, you know, I think the Dodgers will be in on that. If we do move to the universal DH, you know, that's going to change a lot of things because there's going to be 15 NL teams that are looking to, to, to find at least, um, you know, a partial answer to every day at bats at a new position. So that'll help everybody that's headed into free agency this offseason. Um, I'm not writing off Seeger's future with the Dodgers, especially because they, they kind of sort of tried to move on from Justin Turner this past offseason. I think now they're glad that they didn't, but you know, they don't, they, the, the Dodgers just sign stars, sign high caliber players and then worry about the position aspect of it later on. I mean, Trey Turner is so athletic. He could, They could bump him out to center field and and, uh, shift Bellinger back to first base. So there's a lot of ways they can go.
0: Bradford Doolittle is our guest. He's an MLB rider over at ESPN.com. He's joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Uh, Bradford, when you look at the shortstop market, and we'll get back to the deadline here in just a second, but when you look at the shortstop market for next offseason – how do you see these guys shaking out when it comes to the money that they're going to be able to get? You mentioned Seeger, He's got the injury questions. Correa has some injury questions from his history. Uh, Baez, it's the strikeout rate and the lack of walking that has some questions for a lot of guys. It's a down year this year for Trevor Story. How do you think these guys are going to shake out in terms of the money they can command?
1: You know, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, the contract that Lindor signed with the Mets is going to be kind of the benchmark that the agents for those guys want to point at. But the fact of the matter is they all do have minor question marks. It's not that, that almost every team wouldn't love to have any of those guys. But like you said with Bias, it's not just that he hasn't really ever matured as a hitter in terms of plate discipline. If anything, he's gotten worse. Um, but he's still been an outstanding player besides that and a great defender. But he's also, you know, he's one of these guys that just throws caution to the wind constantly. He's been really hard on his body over the years. Seeger's had a lot of injuries. So, you know, I think um, the Mets may already be sort of wondering how they're going to come out on the Lindor contract when you look at the trajectory of his career over the last few years. And the fact that there are a number of those guys hitting the market at the same time, you know, I don't know that we're going to see another $300 million deal, but I think we'll see those guys landing somewhere in the 150 to 200 range, just because there's only so many opportunities to nab a a star-caliber middle infielder.
0: Bradford Doolittle is our guest here on 101 ESPN. All right, getting back to the trade deadline, the Cardinals technically made a couple of moves. They brought in Jay Happ and John Lester. I'll ask the open-ended question. What was your reaction when you first saw that these deals were the ones that the Cardinals decided to make?
1: Uh, I think my immediate reaction was too little, too late. Um, you know, I, you know me. I may have been on with you guys before the season, and uh, talking about uh, you were asking about the. And I apologize if this is more you, but but asking about the Cardinals' uh, rotation depth, and you know, I looked at it and I thought they had a solid core group, and I thought the Cardinals had a chance to have a good rotation this year. And but part of that was predicated on the idea that if a couple of guys got hurt at the big league level, then they had you know, a Matthew Libertore or Zach Thompson perhaps ready to make a move to the majors during the season, but those guys have really struggled in AAA. And so when you add that to the the injuries that have hit them at the big league level, they just did not have enough in camp in terms of veteran options to cover innings. And you know, they're doing that now, but they're doing it while they're what are the Cardinals, nine games behind. So, you know, Lester and Half have had great careers, and I'm not saying they can't help the Cardinals down the stretch, but are they going to help them at the level that will, you know, impact the games in a way that the, it'll it'll spur a, a, a couple of winning streaks to make up a nine-game edge? You know, I'm just – I'm not seeing it.
0: I think that's my question is like, why weren't deals like this available to them in mid-June? You know, maybe they weren't, maybe they're being totally honest and they're just, there was no deal to make in mid-June, but a guy like Jay Happ, I just have a hard time believing whether it's actually Jay Happ or somebody like that, that has a six plus ERA on the season, that guy had to be available at some point to be able to cover some innings for you in, in June, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to say. You know, a lot of a lot of trades come together during July because teams are just trying to figure out where they are in the pecking order of things. And you know, there weren't many trades period around the major leagues before July. Um and really only one major trade, the trade that the the Rays and Brewers made around Willie Adamas. But what you do see constantly are Useful veteran type pitchers that end up in a roster crunch. They're designated for assignment. A lot of times they, they clear waivers and then are outrated outrighted back to the minors. And you see teams like the Rays, even the Dodgers, as good as they are, always have a few roster spots at the end of the 40 man that they're constantly turning over. And the Giants have done great with this as well. They're always looking at those guys that are cycling through the, the roster turnaround the majors Bringing them in and, you know, if there's an adjustment that they can make and maybe maybe they get some production out of them and the colonels just did not do enough stuff like that. They needed to be turning over every stone for innings once clarity got hurt and, and Mikalos went back on the injured list. And, you know, that's the part where it's kind of disappointing because it really put them in a in a bad position to um, make up ground once the deadline hit and like I said I think it's just too little too late.
0: So Bradford if it is too little too late and they're not able to actually go on a bit of a playoff run let's let's talk about the future of this team because we've been doing a lot of that of late where do you think the Cardinals can and should be looking to upgrade in the offseason? What are the positions that you think they should be targeting?
1: Well I think you, you you've got to have more certainty in that rotation. I I don't know that you necessarily are going to pursue a, a number one type starter i think you're still hoping that Flaherty's going to be that guy but you know like three or four of mid-level type veterans just to add to that rotation i don't know what wainwright uh will be doing after this year but sorry about that um you know, that's that's really the area that this year they've fallen short. It, you know, they need this that stability of innings, and that's what they haven't gotten this year. And then beyond that, you know, I think looking at Tommy Edmond as an everyday second baseman, I love Tommy Edmond, and I, I, I thought that was going to work out great. But when you look at what he's done since the beginning of last season, you know, maybe uh, more of a bona fide everyday second baseman and, and shifting Edmond back to more of a super utility role might be a way to go, especially with a lot of middle infielders probably changing teams this year. Um, and then beyond that, they they have got to fix their hitting. I mean, up and down the roster, you know, they have guys that have just underachieved. And, you know, they've, they've really got to look at their processes and, and make sure that uh, they're headed in the right direction on that front.
0: And last question that I've got for you, Bradford, if you look at, I I think the two spots that Cardinals fans have talked about the most over the last week, two weeks, month, maybe are shortstop with Paul DeYoung and how he's underperformed, like you said, so far this season, and then catcher with Yadier Molina's future. Do do you bring back Yadier Molina next year? Um, And would you, if you were in John Mosaylock's shoes, would you look to potentially upgrade from what you've got this year from Paul DeYoung?
1: Well, I mean, they know better with what's ailing DeYoung than I do, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you can't keep having an everyday shortstop that's hitting 201. And I don't care what his secondary skills are. And, you know, he just has not reached that level where he's able to, to fix uh, his bat-to-ball skills. It's just too much swing and miss in his game. And, you know, he's a he's guy that I think amenable to trying different things. I mean, he at least seems like that but it just hasn't worked out. And I think you do, like I said, I, I love the idea of bringing in uh, a starting quality middle infielder. And if that puts De young uh, in, in kind of a rotation with Edmund and, and uh, a signee, then, then that's fine. But I think they definitely need to add some competition at that area of the field.
0: Hey, Bradford, we always appreciate the time, man. I know you've got to be still recovering from what was a crazy week for you. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. And we'll hopefully talk with you again
1: soon. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here.